Yibbity, yeah, yabbity, you, zibbity, zabbity, zoo. Ah. Yeah. I wish people talked like, you know, fucking like cartoon rabbits do. Mm. Yeah, you know, no one no one does the hibbity doobity dow zibbity zibbity zay zippity zabbity that the well, fucking You know there's like a town where at least I mean I, I'm not sure if this still exists or not, but supposedly there's a town uh-huh. where everyone lives like it's the nineteen fifties. Okay. And so You mean a you mean a sunset town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sunset town. No, it's like people who are like you know they, you know those, you know like the people who like to live like greasers, you know. Like oh, so. oh, you mean fucking rockabilly guys? Yeah, it's for it's mostly for rockabilly guys, <laughs> oh. but like, and they like to really live. And also, there's like a couple I oh, think yeah. actually in like Port Angeles, like up north from us, uh-huh. that actually uh, live and dress like they're in like um, the 18th century or something. Or something. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, 18th century <laughs> is cool as fuck. But like, uh, I was just saying, like, I'm sure that there's a town somewhere in mm-hmm. these united states sure where everyone talks like a cartoon rabbit and they also mm-hmm. probably dress like cartoon rabbits right right and which which cartoon rabbit though because i mean cartoon mm-hmm. rabbits do have a lot of variation i well, mean I, 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 I was more talking about the one from um a song of the south okay zippity doo da zippity day uh, you know I'm, I'm hoping you know people do a lot more zippity zabbity zoo zay 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 well i think like, like among all except for like the watership down cartoon rabbits uh-huh. like i think like the um uh you know the 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 um uh like the this what a cartoon rabbit is mm-hmm. is like a character that's very energetic mischievous okay. you know he likes to play pranks you see that with all rabbits yeah this this is the archetype and i mean yeah the archetype all, that's the word i was looking for yeah it all it all kind of goes back to you know like bugs bunny and yeah. stuff like that but i'm bugs sure there's bunny, stuff that predates uh, bugs bunny roger but, rabbit right right like, you know, they're all kind of like almost the same in their in their demeanor. Think, think about this: you got mm. Roger Rabbit, right? Okay. You got the double R diner from uh, from Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. You think it's the Roger Rabbit diner? <laughs> oh, it could be. You ever think about that? Never thought about that. No, it's because you're not thinking on a different level like I am. Or right? maybe Roger Rabbit came into existence after. Well, what came first, Twin Peaks or, or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I'm guessing Who Framed Roger Rabbit came Who first. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was like late 80s and Twin Peaks was early 90s. Mm, so. Okay, so, so yeah, so did one influence the other? One hand washes the other, always, Pat. One hand Pat. washes the other. Right. Uh, by the way, this is uh, this is Soy Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the name of the podcast. I'm uh, Comrade Britt. I'm Patrick, and we're talking about rabbits. We are. We're actually talking about uh, 1984's Dune today. Oh! David Lynch's Dune. I didn't watch that, but I watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh. <laughs> I might have gotten it mixed up in the chat, but <laughs> I think it might be your brain damage. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I never learned how to read. <laughs> That's on account of your brain damage. On account of the brain damage. Yeah, you know. We got to look out for our head trauma, boys and girls. So I'm just going to be relating everything back to um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's okay. That's okay. Um, (laughs) I guess first we should talk about our Patreon, motherfuckers. We should. Uh, What do we we, we got? We got a Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. That's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. 
what can you get there well for as little as little as free a month free 99 free 99 uh you can subscribe actually now uh for free uh or i keep forgetting to do that as little as two dollars a month yeah you keep forgetting everyone else keeps forgetting (laughs) no not everyone we've got a great loyal uh patreon fan base and we thank them very much we link you guys are the bee's knees indeed you keep us going you keep us making funny stuff and enjoying our ourselves doing Mm -hmm. what we do here it's true that's true uh so anyway uh with the patreon um for as little as free you can suggest episodes that we watch every month uh every week mm-hmm. uh that's what this is right here yeah uh is the patreons pa- patrons patreons pa- patreons. patreons the patrons, yeah, patrons or patreons i think it's patrons there okay. I, don't, I don't know it's yeah. it's confusing to me i mean they are patrons but i think they should be patreons as well yeah that's true um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, they recommend stuff and then I put a poll up, people vote what they want us to watch the most. Mm-hmm. We watch it, you know, yeah. and we review it and that's, uh, that's kind of our game. Yeah. And then we yep, choose if you don't stuff like the to epi- do on our If you own. don't like the episode, guess what? It's your fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> My brother in Christ, you made the sandwich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all we do is eat that sandwich. Oh, yeah, we eat that shit sandwich you mm-hmm. feed us, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, what what else? Uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, for $5 a month or more, we, uh, we, we consider you like a producer of our podcast, mm. and we, we name you on the podcast. People just like Dylan Lance, Jordan Hale, David Craning Seitz, D. Gursky, Jormore, Tim Wilkinson, Sam Mayo, Kyle Simmons, P.J. Hale, Shane Sawyer, Gillian McCrary, SFC Punk, Roberto Molina, Seven of Nine, James Hartman, Anna Conklin, Iggy, Abigail Simpson, um, James Hartman, Shane Williams, Roberto Yolito, Electric Baphomet, Jonah Hearn, Nick Savard, John Simcox, Asher Pliskin, and Skeptic. Hmm. I don't know. Did I get... I think I got everyone on there. I might not have gotten Christopher Loza. Oh, nice. So thank you to all those people. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. For uh, $10 a month or more, you get access to the motherfucking media dungeon. Media dungeon. <laughs> yeah, the media dungeon is my Plex server. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Plex is, it's a streaming service that runs off home servers, mm-hmm. namely my computer here. Yeah. Uh, I've got, what, a bit over 17,000 films. You do. I've got a bit over 1,400 shows. Hell yeah. I've got so much stuff. Mm. Um, I've got stuff I keep up on, including uh, current series right now going like The Curse starring mm-hmm. Nathan Fielder, mm-hmm. Benny Safty. And Emma Stone. Yeah. And um, also Fargo, the new season of Fargo oh. starring John Hamm. I should watch that one. Is John, yeah. H- John Hamm the main character? I don't know if he's the main character. He's definitely in there, though. Hmm. Yeah. I prefer John Hamm to a John Turkey for like Christmas dinner. Mm. 
I hear he's quite the ham, quite the jokester, if you will. <laughs> yeah, he's he's friends with like a lot of comedians and stuff. Yeah. I, he seems like he has a pretty good sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, and a pretty nice cock, you know what I'm saying? And a pretty nice cock, if you know what I'm saying. That's true. Like, have you seen that one? There's a picture of him, and he's he's got them, you know, gray sweatpants. Oh, yeah. You can see the dick print. Mm-hmm. Does he have a pretty, pretty beefy... He is hanging hog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, that that is like a full swine hanging from a hook down, and down there. Suey. 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 Yeah. I was just like, damn. That is a hole right there. That's a whole Christmas ham. Whole Christmas ham, baby. That's why they call him John Ham. It's because he's got a whole hog, baby. Yeah, he's got the whole hog. He's got, yeah, he's, a, he's like, I can spit roast <laughs> spit roast you on this thing alone. It'll go from the front all the way to the back. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's true. Yep. I, I know from personal <laughs> I was on the set of that new Fletch film. <laughs> he did things to me. He did things, unspeakable things. They were pretty awesome. He was getting like some sort of allegations recently, like I think a couple of years ago, where it was just like saying that he um um hazed some people in college and they were trying. Yeah, to yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, 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 and he was like, "Yeah, sorry, it was in college. I, I mean, I didn't mean to." And everyone's like, "Yeah, he's a pretty good guy," but. Mm-hmm. That is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. He did a fucked up thing. Some people do fucked up things and like become better people later in life. Yeah. It's it's allowed to happen. Yeah. People it's can like, change. Yeah. And they should. He yeah. Was, he used to be a piece of shit. Yeah. If he never was <laughs> a called to account for that. Yeah. Maybe now he should have like a public reckoning. But like, yeah. you know, he's fucking, he's a good actor. And by all accounts, he doesn't do shitty things now. Yeah. So. Except, you know, spit, spit roast uh, people that come to see him on the set of Fletch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, wrote, you, just wrote, you just twirled me over that flame for so long. Mm-hmm. Comedy Central spit roast of <laughs> Patrick <laughs> Featrick Toey. Yeah, the F- Featrick Toey. And yeah, it's just like 90 minutes of me just spinning on that howl. Mm-hmm, yeah, baby. <laughs> over an open flame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> putting putting pineapple slices on Patrick me. roasting on an open <laughs> fire. John Ham's big cock in his ass. <laughs> I know it's been said many times, many ways, <laughs> but he's gonna break that shit <laughs> like glass. Um, that was wonderful. Thank you. That's my yeah. Christmas song to you. Yes. That's all you get for Christmas, Pat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just the the Christmas ham song. I actually saw a a thing on uh, like uh, Instagram. It was like trying to sell me a custom song, and it, it shows like someone in the car, and it has like this generic pop song like. I was 19 and you were 17 when we met and it's all auto-tune and shit. I'm like, what? And it like gives all these specific <sighs> details and it's like a custom love song for them and it's it's really bad. It sounds very like AI generated. It probably is. Like no. that's honestly probably what happens is mm-hmm. like, um, did, you, did you see someone singing it or you just heard the song? No, I just heard the song. Okay, yeah. So it probably is just because like I was wondering if like a singer just take, you, they give you like personal information. They just put it into a, into an AI thing, like make a song out of this, and, yeah. and then they just sing it. Right, because I because I, 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 I do see that like someone was like um trying to sell like fake car charcoal drawings. Oh yeah, that was funny. I was just like, 
of that are just drawn by AI. It's just like right. you can I, literally make that yourself. It, yeah, it just looks like a like a shitty fucking filter you use in uh, in Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. It's just like okay, well, what are we doing here, people? <laughs> uh, we're we're seeing the end of art and the end of creativity. Yeah. At, you know, the expense of artists and at the enrichment of a few people who have AI companies and, like, a lot of people yeah. on Twitter who uh, have, like, hashtag AI in their profile. And I do think they're kind of, like, overblowing its usability, I think, and it's, uh -huh. like, and its appeal. Because I think, yeah. like, once people, you know, once people are actually paying for, mm -hmm. like, an AI movie... They're going to be like, this is trash. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it has a lot of potential to, like, streamline, like, a lot of work processes and yeah. make redundant things that, like, would definitely change, like, a certain, you know, like, the the upper managerial class mm -hmm. and a lot of things. A lot of people who just, like, look at data and make decisions based on that mm -hmm. will now be, like, relegated to machines. Like, yeah. of course, people putting grocery on, groceries on the shelves and shit. Uh, it's never going to change. I kind of do feel like the middle managers are probably the last ones to go, though. It's like the first always is on the chopping block is like the creatives. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's true. just like, so it's like we're going to still have like the guys who are just like um, a producer's cousin, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just in, the, in those middle management roles, like, make, you know, making and making money while like, you know, just like, uh, you know, have some guy put, you know, make a script through AI and then mm -hmm. use that. And, Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think the whole AI thing is such such nonsense, honestly. It like, is. It's 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 a weird attempt to like it, so like the promise of AI AI is it's going to simplify everybody's life and like revolutionize mm -hmm. labor, but it doesn't have an answer to what it's going to do yeah. once it revolutionizes labor. No. Because what do we do with all those displaced workers? Because yeah. right now our solution is basically putting them in jail yeah. or putting them in prison. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we like criminalize homelessness and vagrancy and mm -hmm. things like that now to the point where like, you know, if people don't have a home or have a place to go a day or night, and like yeah. they are often charged with a crime for doing so and mm -hmm. locked up for it. I also feel it's sort of like, and like, the people who really champion this are people who think like movies have politics and are woke because there's like a human element behind it that's making, mm -hmm. that's injecting their personal politics or something. So there's like a war against creative types because they feel like they're like this woke <laughs> gay influence on people, mm -hmm. and so it's just like, oh well, if it's a, if it's the cold logic of machines, they'll just make a make a good make a non-political script that we can use and, <laughs> and that and that's going and and that's going to be us and that'll actually make you know movies that we can agree with and not mm -hmm. just something that we call woke every five minutes so right so yeah it feels do we really need to agree with movies for them to be entertaining or good i don't think so because no. I, I don't i don't agree with a lot of the politics of like basically any good like arnold schwarzenegger film no <laughs> except yeah. for maybe like true lies like all of them have like dog shit politics they where do. it's like basically like big man good because big man kill and i'm yeah. like wait what yeah <laughs> rambo know. three you know just like know. and like um yeah it's there's especially in like those like the eight movie action movies of the 80s that are just like we're definitely like Arnold himself has said like they were a direct result of Reaganism and everything mm -hmm. else. No. So it's just like, yeah. I mean, you can like it, but yeah, politically it's not <laughs> like 
something that you can really endorse or right. enjoy. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's movies I've seen that just like left me feeling really bad. And I'm mm. just like, you know, that was great. You know, it made me feel something. Right. Invoked an emotional reaction out of me, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And then, of course, there's like movies that do that invoke an emotional reaction out of me mm-hmm. that I absolutely hate, like Lady Ballers. You know, right, right. Saw that. That was probably one of the most dog mm-hmm. shit movies I've ever seen. It's yeah. Like, it, like the 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 at the the uh, what the movie teaches at the end is mm-hmm. like a guy, like a, a like um, the main character's daughter comes up to him and says, like, "Dad, I want to be a boy." And he's like, no, honey, you can't be a boy. Why would you want to do that? Because boys are good at everything and, like, lists, like, every single thing. Boys are, like, in this movie, like, you know, boys are good at sports, um, parking, and all those other things. And then he's like, and he's like, no, girls are good at stuff, too. You can make babies. <laughs> and, so, and so then that what makes the girl like, okay, I don't want to be a boy anymore because... It's like, all right, boys are winners, and boys are boys are naturally good at sports, and I can mm-hmm. never, I could never hope to ever beat a boy in a sport, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I can have children, and so I was like, this is the most evil movie I've ever, and it ends with like the like the like the 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 guy realizing the error of his ways and replacing all of all of the you know trans uh, players that he got that are just like his buddies that are pretending to be um women to play in uh, women's basketball uh, Joanna man Joanna man and um but they but the, the other team picks better gets other guys to play you know that are better players better Joannas better Joannas uh, and yes. and so the way they win is like then the little girls come out and then the guys realize oh the absurdity of playing against women and so <laughs> then like and so then like it's sort of like I think symbolic of them being like we have to treat women like children uh-huh. and we have to we have to let them win in a symbolic way but not actually <laughs> and so like the the tall basketball players help the little girls dunk basketballs and stuff and then, and so <laughs> oh, that's and so, really sweet and so it is sort of like a it does feel like it's like a shepherding almost of mm-hmm. of women which is like kind of like the message of what the daily wire teaches is like you know men need to be the shepherd of women yeah. And and so it was a really awful, evil movie. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, wow, this is a piece of shit. You know, yeah. I, I watched because I was like, you know what, I have to. Cause like you know, I knew that everyone's gonna be saying it's the funniest movie ever made. It's yeah. not. It's awful. <laughs> it's, yeah. But it's it's. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate watch it if you want to value your sanity. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so so you you started that point with like. There's movies that like drive you insane, and then another type of movie. What's the <laughs> other type of movie? Oh, I think like there's, mo- I, I think like I ha- there's movies that make you feel an emotion, uh-huh. and then there's movies like Lady Ballers that are just bad. Oh, okay, <laughs> but that makes you feel it, an emotion. It made me feel an emotion because I also, thought I thought that's what you were talking about. Oh, I meant like you, there's because that, that makes you feel an emotion. Definitely. Oh, it definitely makes me feel an emotion, uh-huh. but it was just like, but also like there's like movies that make you feel bad, but you can appreciate the artistic. Okay. Approach of it, like there's All like right. you know just very nihilistic films or something, right. and sure, and just something that has like a message that you know, and just like wow, it sits right. with you. It's profound. It makes you makes you it changes the way you think. It makes you sit and think about it for a right. couple days. And then there's like I think that's ball- a good place to segue <laughs> yeah. into what we're talking about today because oh, yeah. I feel that way about what we're talking about. Yeah, Night- we could have segued when we were talking about AI because you know this is at post. Butler and Jihad, where we don't, where they had the machine rebellion. 
True, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but, but we're, I did. I did. I did a whole thing with it. We're getting like into twenty minutes here. Uh, we yeah. haven't even talked about what we're talking about <laughs> yeah. yet. So um, let's just start off by saying we must not fear, because fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will let it pass over me and through me. And when it is past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. When it is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Damn. And that's the that's the Lord's Prayer for Nerds. Yes, Lord. That's what that is. I just actually got a bumper sticker. I saw that. With that, yeah. Cool. Litany against fear, yeah. Pretty pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about uh, David Lynch's Dune from 1984. Yeah, and this is the director's cut, right, that we watched. Because I did notice it there, said David Lynch and not Judas Booth. Right, so so there is no director's cut, really. Mm. There is a cut that was made by David Lynch reluctantly, mm. uh, and it was more made by Dino De Laurentiis and uh, his daughter, but we'll get into that, who yeah. produced the film. Uh, he had a much different vision that was either several movies or a four-hour-long film. Yeah, that tracks. I mean, given like its treatment right now, mm-hmm. where um, the second half, which is you know the new mo- Dune movies, like uh, is basically covering the same amount of information, but they're broken into basically four hours worth of films. Right, right. <laughs> and second part's coming out soon, which I'm really stoked for. Yeah, me too. I am yeah. very stoked for that film. When when is that coming out? Is it in February or something like that? Is it February? I hope so. I don't know. That'd be great. I, I know it's in twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Sometime. Um, probably gonna wait till maybe like summer movie month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. It's gonna probably gonna be a summer blockbuster. Summer blockbuster. Oh, it's hot outside. You gotta go to the movies, like <laughs> kids. They've got the air conditioner there, nickel candies. Mm. What's a nickel candy? Yeah, it's a candy candy for a nickel. <laughs> I guess they probably don't. Nickel doesn't get you much anymore these days. Does it? Doesn't get you nothing. It'll, uh, you know, it'll get you a blowjob and an old man from an old man and a five cent refund. You know what I'm saying? They really should just like get rid of pennies and nickels and dimes, mm-hmm. like the most useless form of currency now. Right? <laughs> it's just, like nothing, nothing's, nothing needs that those things anymore. I mean, like cash is, cash is kind of a funny currency in the yeah. first place. Like yeah. it's weird we're all still like using it and not just like using like. You know, like fucking WeChat or whatever fucking yeah. China uses. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, people want to hoard. You have them have little, little bottles of uh, dimes. Little bottles of dimes, baby. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do things a little differently today, I think. Right. Um, Dune is a large story. It is very large. Dune is a dense story. Yeah. Dune has a lot of names, a lot of specific things that happen to it, a lot of specific locations, specific mm-hmm. actions, a lot of lore. And to actually write this out and go through and research it, watching this movie would have been a several day project. Yes, it would have. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Instead uh, of going through this movie, like, you know, like line by line, mm-hmm. scene by scene, we're going to mount. At least I am. I don't know mm-hmm. about you. A defense of David Lynch's Dune. Okay. No, I mean it's it's a it's a film. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of raised with at a young age. Yeah. So I do have that fondness for it. Uh, nostalgia. Yeah. I have nostalgia so I, I for wasn't it. raised with it at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't have nostalgia for it at all. Mm-hmm. But I like it as a film. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting. Like I would say, I don't know, compared to like the new version, the Denny Villeneuve one, mm-hmm. the the new one's far superior in tone of like the way they're telling the story. Yeah, uh, I feel like there's a lot less like studio constraints, in especially with yeah. the fact that they decided to make it like a six hour long epic. Yes. Divided between two films. Yeah. Instead of a two hour and 19 minute film. Yeah. And like there is a lot that it glosses over very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's funny because like almost like the first half of of uh, the 1984 Dune mm-hmm. is almost like beat for beat. Beat for beat in the new one. Yeah, it is. And uh, which I thought was very interesting because mm-hmm. um, like I actually because I had grown up watching this movie periodically throughout my life like my dad was a fan of dune books Mm -hmm. and so i had seen it very young and like i was like even though i really didn't like when i saw it like when i was younger i didn't understand anything that was happening (laughs) right right it is it's it's dense and it's a little confusing i've seen it a bunch uh you know i've seen the new one a couple times and i've read Mm -hmm. the the books like when i was 16 i actually read them in high school for an assignment which was pretty cool um, yeah, but, the, the Dune lore in the books is like I I, I think I, like I didn't really understand the Dune movie until I went back and I I went and read the books. Mm-hmm. I'm like okay, that's clicks. And I went back and watched 1984 Dune after watch after reading the books. I'm like okay, and I kind of get what you know. Yeah, and it's then, not the best introduction to Dune. The best yeah. introduction to Dune is probably the books. Maybe yeah. the Dennis Villeneuve. I would say I would say so. Yeah, like I I really like like where you look at like 1984's Dune like. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I didn't really understand like um, a lot of what was going on, just like technology wise, until right. I read the books, like you know, the Butler and Jihad, and you know, mm-hmm. and just like stuff like that. And I feel like the um, the two, 20, 2021 Dune does that a lot better, where it has like this minimalist, brutalist style with everything. Very true. Where there's there's a rejection of any higher technology other than like you know everything's manual, right? Like technology's manual. Like um, he doesn't really have like a, a computer. Mm-hmm. He just has sort of like a thing that like he puts like tapes in almost and watches informational things. <laughs> like there's right, nothing, right. there's no computers of any kind and there's so no it's a hit a hit clips. It's a hit clips, it's yeah. Got a hit clips, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I really, really like that. Like, watching like the 1984 Dune, like, because mm-hmm. I also went back and rewatched it after watching the 2021 one. And yeah. I was just like, um, when that first came out, and I was just like, yeah, I definitely like. I mean, I do like. There's like definitely like a lot more like freak choices in 1984 Dune because it's David Lynch. No, it, exactly, and yeah. uh, it, it's it's very Lynchian. Very is, is the yeah. thing and like people i think were just like expecting a good kind of action blockbuster from a very up-and-coming director who mm-hmm. is i think hot off the heels of um elephant man at this moment yeah and he gave up uh directing um star wars 3 yeah yeah return or, of the jedi or return star of the jedi. wars 6, six yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry <laughs> uh in order to do this uh telling george lucas that like he said, uh, that's your thing. That's not my thing. Yeah. Which is such a cool fucking line. It's such a cool fucking line. David Lynch, like, <laughs> I, I looked into, like, the, the the production of this for a while and stuff, and, like, David Lynch is just the coolest guy. He is. Yeah. He's, he's a cool dude. He's yeah. getting divorced again right now. He he's gets divorced a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it's just so funny to be, like, an 80-year-old man getting divorced. It's like, yeah. damn. It's right. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> he seems kind of divorced. He's like divorced goth dad. Energy. Yeah. I hope he doesn't get remarried. That'd be insane. Getting remarried that old. I know. Yeah. You know, most some people like it, but yeah, yeah. He's he's a very he's a very particular guy, and mm. like um, like I like I do like a lot of like the choices that he takes, especially with the Harkonnens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, just he really like he really feels like the the power to just go completely nuts mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was also thinking like also also like i was thinking like watching this like a lot of the influences from um alejandro 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 dune yeah like that documentary about like his book um you know his his mm-hmm. his proposed film and i i do wonder how much of that maybe was influence uh, those influences found their way into this yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit i got a, a little bit of an article on that oh interesting yeah yeah um so i actually uh wanted to kind of start off the whole conversation with a review from roger ebert on this mm. film because I think Roger Ebert is one of the better, more thoughtful film critics of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, quote, This movie's a real mess. <laughs> An incomprehensible, ugly, unstructured, pointless excursion into the murkier realms of one of the most confusing screenplays of all time. Even the color is no good. Everything is seen through a sort of dusty yellow filter as if the film was left out in the sun too long. I kind of feel that tracks given that it takes place on a desert planet. I know. I, I feel like I feel like that was an artistic choice that I agree with, and I'm like, I don't yeah. think you got that, Roger Ebert. Yeah, um, you're you're supposed to feel dry, and it's supposed to feel bright and dry. I and feel, uh, yeah, I feel unmoisturized watching this film, and yeah. that's like something I barely ever feel because <laughs> because I'm motherfucking moisturized, baby. I said, I'm motherfucking moisturized, baby. I see you're wearing the jack off pants. I know. Oh. <laughs> You know me, baby. Got those J O J O joggers. I think J O joggers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So Eber continues here. Says, "Quote: The movie's plot will no doubt mean more to people who have read Herbert than to those who are walking in cold. It has to do with a young hero's personal quest. He leads his people against an evil baron and tries to destroy a galaxy-wide trade in spice." A drug produced on a desert planet. Spice allows you to live indefinitely while you discover you have less and less to think about. There are various theological overtones which are best left unexplored. Mm. I don't know why he thinks the theological overtones are best left unexplored. I thought that was like one of the more interesting parts of the movie. And that's yeah, and that's something I think is like explored better in the 2021 Dune. I think I I mean we'll see I guess because I feel like the theological overtones really come in like when Paul becomes part of the Fremen yeah which only like just kind of happened at the end of of, uh, Dune they do talk a lot they do there is a lot of buildup of the prophecy that's true and also you see like Gurney um, reading the Orange Catholic Bible at some points in the end of the 2021 Dune yeah I I feel like the the witches um, are are set up a lot better Mm -hmm. in in the 2021 21 they are, I, I do like how they look though in 1984 dude. they're so cool they they're all like, like bald fucking, and shit yeah. and the fucking oh the the kid one yeah is Leah. so good yeah. the one in the end <laughs> yeah. oh god i love that fucking kid just so fucking disturbing yeah like i do like how they definitely like 80 yard her with like a with like a grown woman's voice oh yeah and, but it, it was like a what yeah 
Yeah, like it was. It My was, brother's coming for you. Yeah, it was, it was very like uh, uh, your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> your mother kinda, sucks cocks in hell. Uh, it was yeah, very like um, very exorcist kind of style, mm. and it was like very creepy, and I thought very effective. Oh yeah, it was yeah. Um, I really kind of like the ending of this movie, but it's not like I think people were like expecting Star Wars, and it's not that. No, it's um, not like I I do feel like. And that's and that and it is funny because like Star Wars definitely affected a lot of like sci-fi movies that came out around this time like Zardoz like Zardoz I fucking love Zardoz Zardoz rocks but Zardoz also came out during the height of Star Wars and people are like it's not Star Wars but it's just like it's it's its own thing it is <laughs> and I Star do f- Wars doesn't have fucking Sean Connery wearing like a two-piece bikini yes a two-piece <laughs> red leather bikini with thigh-high boots mm-hmm. yeah like. It, it took some choices, but like, it definitely but yeah, had like some choices in there. Yeah, I feel like the comparison between yeah, like Star Wars and and Dune was yeah, kind of maligned a little because yeah, it's it's not like a a fun shoot 'em up. Like, there's no space battles. There's no there's mm-hmm. no sword fights. Well, there's sword fights, but like yeah, like there's like knife fights and stuff. You do mm-hmm. have some fights in this. You know, you have. Yeah. Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. running into battle holding a holding a little baby pug. Right. It, and yeah, it is definitely like less action based than the yeah. twenty twenty one version. Yeah, and and so like there's and so you but you compare compare that and contrast that with like, you know, Star Wars where you have people with laser swords and mm-hmm. and like in and, and guns and stuff and yeah, you kinda well, like uh, although you do have the body shields in this, but yeah. I feel like they don't utilize them too often, to be no, honest. No, they don't, no. And 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 plus, you kind of see like how they develop technology to counteract the body shields, like the slow-moving bullets, and, right, and everything right. else. And those also make an appearance in twenty twenty-one one. But like, um, so I, what would happen if you were in the Matrix and mm-hmm. like you you understood the Matrix, but then you were shot with a slow-moving bullet? Mm. I guess it'd be easier to dodge. Probably go even slower. Huh? Yeah, go yeah. any slower, and and if you were moving normal time, you could like get around it. Well, what if you're only used to dodging the slow ones, not the extra slow ones? Well, you would dodge the normal ones, and the other slow one would come at you, and then you just wait and stare at it until like it got close, and then you could just go out of the way. Yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> That's some real. I would have prevented nine eleven shit right there. You've never dodged any bullets. I've never dodged any bullets. It's true. Slow or fast. Slow or fast. Yeah. But yeah, like um. I do like uh, for this film. Like, I do like like one of the things that always stood out to me, especially when I was a kid, was expect like the the look of the movie, the aesthetic, the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like, I love still suits. Like, I grew up wanting. Oh, a still they're suit. so cool. Yeah. They're very cool. They're very unpractical, <laughs> considering they're 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 a deep black in the desert. You know, you're that makes sense see, to me. You can see them coming from a mile away. No, I th- I think that's what powers them. Oh, is it, is it absorbs the heat, and mm. the heat is what powers the still suit and its functions. Okay. That's what I like to imagine. <laughs> um, well, it's powered by the, the walking that, that processes it in your knee pads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what if, what if you have your genitals in your knees, like that mm, one Star Trek oh, yeah. alien? I can only imagine, though, like, like, I wonder if it just has, like, a tube that's in your asshole. And so then it you, does, yeah, yeah, because yeah, so it then, it recycles your feces. Yeah, so it's just like you're just like just just like blasting ass and oh those yeah, things. or you're like running away from a sandworm. I think my shit tube <laughs> fell out. Spill it sh- everywhere. <laughs> the, the worm's gonna smell it. <laughs> Gotta run. Gotta run. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna finish this oh, review. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So 
Uh, Ebert finishes here. Uh, the movie has so many characters, so many unexplained or incomplete relationships, and so many parallel courses of action that it's sometimes a toss-up whether we're watching a story or just an assembly of meditations on themes introduced by the novels. Yeah. The movie is like a dream. I would agree the with The movie that. is like a dream. <laughs> I would agree the with that. The movie is like a dream. movie's like a dream. But I would agree, I would agree with him because it's like I do feel like he had constraints by the studio to put all, to make it into one film right and and so yeah and so like as a result a lot of like of the the nuances of the story are lost mm-hmm. absolutely and, and like a lot of the lore like because mm-hmm. I don't even think they really I think they do mention like the the thinking machine the rejection of the thinking machines at some point maybe in like the Princess Aurelian speech in the beginning maybe and. I do like that, like, like, because, like, going into this, like, you know, he is right about, like, the, how dense the story is, where, mm-hmm. like, when people actually went and saw this in theaters, they were actually given a pamphlet. Right, right. An and educational pamphlet. Right, <laughs> which is actually a kind of a good idea, but at the same time, you can't read that in the theater, really, so it's like... No, you can probably read it, you probably, probably will probably read it beforehand to, to like, I mean, how, how, how many How many people arrive early for a film, Patrick? Yeah, that's true. And besides, like, the, by the time you get there, they already have, like, ads playing and shit, and yeah. it's distracting, and... You gotta position your coat just right so they can't watch you J and O in the theater. It's true, but they didn't have they didn't have J O joggers back then. That's that's true. That's a <laughs> great leap in technology. But yeah, like uh, you know, it's just like you know that you could see like the a lot of um, attempts they took to to do shorthand for like a lot of just like natural world building mm-hmm. from the beginning, like you know the pamphlet. Princess Aurelian's speech in the beginning, where right? It's like she pretty has to like catch you up to speed, you know, because there's like yeah, basically eight thousand years of um, history to catch Galactic up with. History, <laughs> Galactic that, history, because that's the thing is like <laughs> Dune is very much like a historical novel. Yeah, like it, it breaks down like oh, the Dune series breaks down a series of historical events in pretty like dry fashion. Yeah, uh, and like breaks down like and explains things and explains the systems within the world. Uh, which does is get pretty, pretty horny. Does get pretty horny at times. It does get pretty horny at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, after Paul joins the Fremen, he has uh, he has some of that sex. <laughs> so uh, you know, yeah, and the honored matras that come in later and just like mm-hmm. dominate men through sex and gets it, it like it gets you get pretty horny up in hell. Yeah, pretty but horny up pretty in hell. Pretty horny up in hell. Pretty horny up in hell. Pretty horny up in hell. The novel does have. Um, does introduce the term beef swelling. Beef swelling. What's that? Uh, beef Swellington. Beef Swellington. Um, Paul Atreides getting hard. Oh, beef swelling. <laughs> yeah. Beef swelling. Yeah. Pork so, sorting. Yeah. Pork sorting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like uh, you know, we have the we have the beef swelling, and um, mm-hmm. so it's a pretty horny. You know, I think that even in like the, I think was it the second or third um, uh, a woman. Like a, a woman has an orgasm watching Lita the second climb a mountain. Mm. <laughs> Wait, keep keep going. Keep I'm going, almost finished. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. I'm almost finished. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of like his own shit coming in through this, and mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I like to catch up with it, to catch everyone up on this. Like it took a lot and already if like you're already having to make these decisions where you have to like make sure there's a pamphlet make sure there's like a an introductory speech that's 
kind of off-putting <laughs> like in the beginning like yeah it, it might have been better as like an opening crawl or something like that yeah i mean that's the thing like yeah star wars uses that but it, it, it it's brief though it's brief and, and it's be- i mean it, it's better like film to film star yeah. wars film to star wars film the first three are actually pretty good opening crawls yeah and and, be- and it becomes like it becomes like a part of the st- of a star wars movie right that opening right. crawl too kind of just catch you up on the immediate situation but like Aurelian's mm-hmm. talking basically like oh well, these are yeah these are the politics that are happening right right, right. it would have been better to you know uh, show and don't tell yeah definitely so, show and not tell and like mm-hmm. it, I mean but that would have been like for a film that could have been a trilogy or something and not right. just like and you know you, you have to like for the viewer you have to like basically give dump them in a, an ice bath or something mm-hmm. to be like okay this is what's going on right now yeah get used to it because it's going to be fucking nuts i'm not going right. to recognize anything that's happening on the screen or honestly something they could have done that might have worked pretty well mm. is changing some names change some names because i'm not gonna lie the names in here are fucking confusing <laughs> yeah like i mean Halleck. like yeah you got like the the main competing forces in this are Atreides, mm-hmm. Harkonnen, mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess the the, the Fremen. Yeah, and uh, then uh, House Carino, the Emperor's people. True, true, yeah, yeah, House Carino as well. Yeah, um, and those aren't easy names to remember. That's not anything like Skywalker, Darth no. Vader. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's got no rhythm to it, and, and or shit. It's, yeah, you know. and then like then you have like names like of course like you know Gurney Halleck, Duncan Idaho. Duncan Idaho is the only memorable name in this entire series. Yeah, <laughs> especially since he basically becomes like the main character later on. Yeah, well, and because he can't die, basically. Yeah, he's, he's just he's constantly resurrected. I was, yeah. I was thinking like watching this, I was laughing like a um a. Uh, a buddy cop comedy starring Duncan Idaho and Johnny Utah. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> it's like that would be that'd be really fun. Just like mm-hmm. the we're called the flyover states. Oh, that's good. Or or uh, Danny California. Danny California from um, the the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's like he's like the guy that gives them their missions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, but there's a. I, I did see, read one time a really good explanation for like a lot of people. You got a lot of flack for name for having his last name be Idaho. Mm-hmm. And I, I read a good explanation about that. I can't remember from where, but like a guy saying like, you know, what we're we're not. They're not actually speaking English. Mm-hmm. Like we are. They they are speaking a language that is like so far changed from what we speak because mm-hmm. it's you know eight thousand years in the future. Like it's completely unrecognizable to us. And so his name isn't Idaho. It just sounds that way. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so, Idaho. Yeah, it's yeah, like something it's, like that. Or, yeah, it's something. It's something uh, that's oi, Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, they're yeah, all Australian. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, um, oh no, and they're no. And so, uh, so I think that's a really good, good kind of just like how you have to kind of think about it because yeah, like, and we don't really see like any kind of exploration of of language in this, but I mean we don't get time. Like I think that that's shown in like twenty twenty one doing where we have the Harkonnens actually spe- right, right. speaking their own, their 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 home tongue and mm-hmm. that it sounds completely fucking nuts. It is. <laughs> and so yeah, they're, and, they're they're pretty brutal in the new one. I mean they're yeah. pretty brutal in this too. Yeah, I do. I. Uh, they're a little a little cartoony though like yeah there's elements of this movie that remind me a lot of like flash gordon 
There are. And like, I think there's a big reason for that. Yeah, you can kind of see where a lot of his influences came from. And mm-hmm. I do, and, you know, yeah, just like having all the Harkonnens have red hair and, and you know, they're, they're all very like... Well, redheads, to be fair, <laughs> are evil. Yes. There was actually, when, when this movie came out, there was like, um, it got a lot of flack for having like a openly homosexual character with something that resembled AIDS. I actually have that in my notes. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'll, uh, I'll read this here. So um, film scholar Robin Wood called Dune the most obscenely homophobic fi- film I have ever seen, mm-hmm. referring to a scene in which Baron Harkonnen sexually assaults and kills a young man by bleeding him to death, charging it with uh, managing to associate with homosexuality in a single scene, physical grossness, moral depravity, violence, and disease. Mm-hmm. Then assaultment suggested that the film showed how AIDS references began penetrating popular culture in the 1980s, asking, was it just an accident that in the film Dune, the homosexual villain has uh, sores on his face? Um, personally, as a gay, I think he's pretty rad and very effective <laughs> as a villain. Yeah. Uh, there's this one scene... The, the scene where he bleeds the servant boy is mm. so disgusting. It, that is like, like he is truly grotesque and it shows like how villainous and like how much the Harkonnens need to be defeated by, because they're run by this absolutely grotesque character. Yeah, he's like this guy that just takes pleasure in being completely brutal and evil right. and, and, th- and and gets gets off on murder. Right. And, I, and you I, can I, see Fade also like as played by Sting also just like really vibing with it. He's just like, "Yes, yeah. yes." <laughs> I, I I I actually like Sting's performance in here. He doesn't like actually have many lines really. He just no, shouts I think, I think things. That's, I think that's also by design. Right. And he's like also Sting. naked half the film, yes. which is you know, not a bad thing, really. <laughs> Sting, Sting be looking good in this. He's 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 a twink for sure. Oh yeah, a yeah, he's, twinky, he's, twink, he's, twink, twink, yeah, he's twink, 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 twink. Yeah, he's almost like you know, he almost guys a little on the on the crux of being a twunk a bit because he is he is he is violent. He is very strong. Yeah, but he's still a twink. Yeah, he's still a twink. I could beat him up. <laughs> twink. Paul definitely has problems. Like I, I feel like the new um, fade in the new movie. Like from what I've seen, he looks a little bit more like threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like how everyone agrees, no matter who they cast, that Paul Atreides is a twink. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Well, I kind of feel like because like that's part of the story. Because like I do feel in the story of Dune. Frank Herbert right and Frank, making his notes. Paul he, is a fucking twink. And it's kind of underlining because like Lady Jessica. I, I think it's like mentioned in this, but like you know, Lady Jessica was part of like the Bene Gesserit like breeding program, mm-hmm. where she was supposed to um, give birth to a daughter. Right. Because she's like the Bene Gesserit are able to like have you know, they have full control over their bodies and mm-hmm. they're able to like you know change the sex of the child mm-hmm. you know and stuff and and um in the womb and she chooses and because and like because like the the quasat tatarak wasn't supposed to come until the next generation it was right. like um she was supposed to give birth to a daughter mm-hmm. that daughter was supposed to have a baby with fade and that baby was going to be the quasat tatarak hell yeah and um but sting's baby was supposed to be the fucking messiah yes um, but <laughs> yeah. it didn't turn out that way yeah like you think uh, like uh sting's baby in real life is the messiah it could be i don't know his kids second coming of jesus <laughs> but yeah like pa- paul was supposed to be paula mm-hmm. and so that yeah it was and um but because um 
you know, she loved Duke Leto, like mm. she decided to give him a son. Yeah. And and go against the wishes of the Bene Gesserit breeding but, program. But he has the all of the powers of of that the the female baby. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I was thinking kind of like, you know, it is kind of like Paul is sort of like this mixing of the masculine and feminine. So he's mm-hmm. sort of like you know he's got an extra chromosome in there <laughs> the extra chromosome. like it is kind of like that's why he's able to tap into the, these abilities is because he's like because it's like that's a very alchemical thing you know this yeah, like uh, like having the masculine and the feminine together and so he's mm-hmm. that's why he's able to you know be like the the twink that um starts a jihad across the universe i mean <laughs> if if we ever have a universal jihad it will be started by a twink it will be started by a twink i mean most people don't think about it but uh whew, this is going to be controversial osama bin laden <laughs> twink oh do you think like osama bin laden was the quest hat satirac uh, <laughs> not necessarily. I haven't thought that that analogy through at all. No, you haven't. So you I'm know, not, let, let that let that marinate for a while. And I am, but it. I am saying <laughs> that uh, Osama bin Laden's a twink. Osama bin Laden's a twink. Right, uh, it's just the thought that came to my head. Is right. I'm like organizing like people and like kind of like big world figures that have mm-hmm. ever been around into like twink and not twink and mm. it's one of the few in there not a whole bunch of world defining world changing twinks no. a lot more twunks and like yeah. kind of just like bigger guys a lot of bears change in history a lot yeah. of yeah a lot of like kind of dilfs dilfy mm-hmm. dilfy types oh yeah we got you know we had um uh, eleanor roosevelt Okay. <laughs> um, is Eleanor Roosevelt a twink? Is that what you're saying? No, like, you know, just like... A dilf? Yeah, dilf. Eleanor Roosevelt's dilf. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. Dilf. yeah, that dilf energy. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Zaddy. <laughs> Zaddy. Um, so going back to um, to Ebert's review of the film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, he obviously hated this film. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it, I think that's a fair assessment, though. But, and it's, I don't think it's as much of a fault of David Lynch. I think it's like uh, a lot of the studio meddling. I, I think you're right. Uh, at the same time, I think that by like Ebert's usual measure of success, this would actually not be quite a bad film. Mm-hmm. Because Ebert uh, usually talks about the intent of the filmmaker uh, being paramount to the quality of the film. Uh, yeah. That is, if a filmmaker accomplishes what they were trying to do, the film is, in fact, better regardless of quality. And I think David Lynch tried to make a surrealist version of Dune, and in that, he succeeded. Mm. In Ebert's own words, this film is like a dream. Yeah. Uh, I can. I, I definitely, like, from the unmade Alejandro Jodorowsky, I think that's what he was trying to achieve, with, was wanted to achieve with his iteration mm-hmm. of Dune. Yeah. Just, like, there, there's a lot more sim- symbolism in yeah. that. Like, you know, like, and Alejandro Jodorowsky is, like, like, Paul was actually, go- like, Duke Leto was going to be a um, uh, castrated. And it was going to be played by his, his son. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, we should talk about that, uh, yeah. the pre-production of Dune, because mm-hmm. before this, uh, the, the rights had been acquired by several people, mm-hmm. uh, before it was actually produced by uh, Dino De Laurentiis mm-hmm. and his daughter, um, Raffaella. Uh, so uh, let's kind of go into that. Um, so after the success of Dune, it was bought up to adapt. Uh, in mid-'71, producer Arthur P. Jacobs um, 
who did Planet of the Apes bought it up, but he died uh, during pre-production. Oh, shit. Uh, the film rights were bought again in 1974 by a French film consortium with experimental film magnum Alejandro Horowski attached to direct. Uh, he planned to cast Salvador Dali in the role of Emperor Shaddam mm. uh, IV at the price of $100,000 an hour, <laughs> yeah. which, which is, is unheard of. Completely, completely untenable. And I, 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 if I remember correctly, I wonder if Salvador Dali said that because he thought he wouldn't take it, and he mm-hmm. did. He was like, "Yes, fine." <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> He's like, "That sounds great." <laughs> um, so he also approached contributors, uh, including uh, Pink Floyd mm-hmm. and Magma for music, uh, Dan O'Bannon for visual effects, as well as uh, artist H.R. Geiger mm-hmm. of Alien fame. Which is it's just funny because like that movie did bring Dan mm-hmm. O'Bannon and H.R. Geiger together to make Aliens, mm-hmm. which is funny. But and that's one thing I wanted to mention, like you know how, like I think was the influence on the 1984 Dune was like the fact that like Alejandro Jodorowsky wanted um, each planet to be, have their own soundtrack by a different band. That's a great idea. Yeah, That'd like be so cool. Like he was gonna have Pink Floyd, I think, do mm-hmm. like the music for um, for the Atreides, and like um, have other people for um, for Harkonnen. So, mm-hmm. so there's going to be all these like you know cool bands doing like their own individual soundtracks for each mm-hmm. group, and that's why I think like you know I think I because I do feel there is like a huge music influence like. For the music and 1984 Dune, like I love the soundtrack by Toto. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so fucking sick. It's it's like if you took um, the the fucking uh, uh, Flash Gordon theme song mm-hmm. and basically like made it into an entire soundtrack. Yes, <laughs> it's it's like what Queen tried to do with Flash Gordon, but much better. Yes, because Toto is like the best collection. Like the the fucking. Luke, uh, Luth, Luthaker, Steve Luthaker, mm-hmm. the fucking Percaro brothers, like they're some of the best studio musicians of mm-hmm. all time. Yep. Like fucking Jeff Percaro plays on Steely Dan albums, man, <laughs> and he plays some of the sickest shit you hear on Steely Dan, and you hear sick shit all over Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. Steely Dan's the sickest shit, my friend. <laughs> Steely Dan's the sickest shit, my friend. It truly is, but yeah, I, I do like, yeah, I. I like because you know he brought in Sting as an actor. Then he has Toto doing this ent- entire soundtrack. So you which know, is, it sounds mm-hmm. incredible. Like as you were saying, yeah. like it, I think it fits the mood of the movie very well. Mm-hmm. Like like and and I just like that. I feel like that idea to you know cast like you know you know a band to to uh, to to um, to compose the music for the film was kind of like born from the Alejandro Jodorowsky initial idea. Yeah, yeah, you might be right, and. Uh, Speaking of musicians, uh, Hordowski originally uh, was going to cast Sting's character with Mick Jagger. Yeah. 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 So another twink, another, another famous twink. twink. So <laughs> apparently these guys are seeing eye to eye when it comes to twinks. Yeah. Or maybe there was just a lot more twinks available in the 70s. I think there was because, like, you kind of have to think about, like, you know, the 70s and how in the, time. In the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s. Like, yeah, it's just like, you know, still recovering from the Great War, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, like, you know, especially like the British. The Great you know? Twink War. They're all still, they all still, like, they're all still pretty thin and twinky. Right, right, but, right. Like, um, yeah, because, like, all the fat guys died in the war because they were a much bigger target. That's right? true. That's true. Yeah. yeah and, and just dealing with that, you know, the, the, his, the, 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 the history of, you know, just like, you know, you know, just the 
starvation basically you know uh-huh. during you know surviving during like the bombing yeah if, if i was in a war and like marching out to battle i would just like find the fattest guy to get behind <laughs> and i wouldn't like use him as a human shield i'd just be like your lead and just like follow him and be because you know it's a, it's a big meat shield you it's know a big meat shield takes a lot to go through, through <laughs> human flesh of one one big piece of meat you know and it's probably stopping there they, they, they have some good weapons though. They, they do have some good weapons yeah but yeah. like um but yeah like i uh the, the toto soundtrack like especially when he's riding the worm mm-hmm. and that and that fucking like kicks in when yeah the, the hero heroic triumphant music kicks it's so in, fucking sick like you can't help but be like Fuck yeah! Yeah, and it's just like it's an amazing soundtrack. Like, yeah, I think it fits the. Film I, I think well. it's triumphant. I think it's mm-hmm. fun. It's got like it, it's like just a regular movie soundtrack, except mm-hmm. it also has like a lot of electric guitars. Yes, it sounds like if like Trans Siberian Orchestra was hired to play <laughs> yeah. a fucking a score that someone wrote. Yes, yeah. And, you know, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I'm not a fan of them, but they're all very great musicians. Yeah. You know, all some of the best studio musicians out there, and that's what Toto is. You know, they played, yeah. they were the fucking studio musicians who played fucking um, Michael Jackson's Thriller. You yeah. know, that's the Percaro brothers right mm-hmm. there. Steve Luke at their own, own guitar. Look, look at them, they, they did a sick-ass sound. I would have loved if they had reused some of that music for the 2020 oh that would have been so sick but i did like a lot of the music i did like the music in the 2020 yeah it, well. it, the sound design in that movie is very good in general. yeah that's a, that's a like i i love listening to movie soundtracks and mm-hmm. the 2021 dune is one that i listened to like also 1984 dune i listened to that soundtrack and mm-hmm. also the 2021 dune. uh another thing we should mention is brian eno has a track on here the prophecy oh the yeah prophecy yeah. theme or something like that mm-hmm. Pro- the prophets theme yeah uh, that's used a couple times in the film, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's a really nice, relaxing track. It's not it like a, the standout track of the film, I don't think at all. No, there's a couple. It, it's good music, isn't it? The one that plays at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of when he, he's like bringing the fremen out to the desert and shit. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on uh, to post uh, Hordowalski's. Dune. So mm. in 1981, the nine-year film rights were set to expire mm-hmm. with a French film consortium who had them. Dino De Laurentiis uh, renegotiated the rights from the author, adding them to the rights, uh, the Dune sequels, written and unwritten. Uh, he showed the book to Sh- Sid Sheinberg, president of, of MCA and parent oh, the, company the, of Universal C- City Studios. Yeah, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune book, which mm-hmm. I desperately... I would kill to have a copy of that. <laughs> yeah, is it rare or something? Yeah, it's incredibly rare. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's it was basically the entire all hundred yard Owaskis and the entire movie that he had storyboarded in his mm-hmm. mind. He storyboarded the entire thing. Yeah, and it has like original art of how he wanted the ships and like. And should be said, like Alejandro Jodorowsky didn't read Dune. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is his own interpretation of That's it. It's pretty cool. It, it is very cool. Like there's definitely like uh, like the end, for example, is very different than than any of the movies and or the books. Mm-hmm. Like it ends with like um, uh, Paul dying. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but when he dies, 
um, his essence basically goes into everyone. Yeah. Okay. So cool. He, so yeah, he, yeah. So he becomes everyone's. It's a lot more. It's, it's spiritual. It's a lot more spiritual. I'm like, into that. Um, it's it's a lot you know very avant garde. You know mm. you would say and like. Oh really? Yeah. Korowski, <laughs> really? Yeah, you yeah. sure? Him? <laughs> the guy who made Holy Mountain in El Topo? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Um, uh, so I I, I would have loved to <laughs> love to see. I, that. I, to, I I somehow forgot about El Topo, who's like the fucking entire premise of that film is like. What if a what if what if a guy had a really big black hat? <laughs> like that's the whole fucking that's the pitch. Yeah. It, like it's great. I do love like like in the beginning of that film, he that's his, that, again that's his son, mm. and and like and it shows like um, the son having to bury his favorite toy mm-hmm. in the sand so he could become a man. And I guess like in real life, Andrei Arwaski like lost like contact with his son. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, as part of, and this is again goes back to like the Alejandro Yardawaski psycho magic, where he, where ritual is a way of overcoming like um, uh, sort of problems in your life. Mm-hmm. He brought his adult son to his backyard, has him go dig in a spot, and he, <laughs> and he digs up the toy that he buried in the movie. And he's That's- like, and Amazing. He, and he goes, I have just given you back your childhood. <laughs> that's so weird. And that's sort of like. I kind of love it. And that's sort of like how he's like oh, apologizing to his son for um, for abandoning him. And I, I, I do love how just like how magical mm-hmm. <laughs> just like and just like and just surreal he is and just his everyday life. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fun way to approach problems, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit about like the crew of this film and like mm-hmm. w- w- the people who definitely succeeded at their fucking jobs. Yeah, I want to start with a guy named uh, Anthony Masters, who is the production designer on here, mm. and he's usually an art director or production designer on movies. Uh, you probably best know him as the production designer on 1968's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, nice. And so he's responsible for, like, all those sets and stuff, which are, like, my, some of my favorite sets in all of them. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, like, um, um, Kubrick was, you know, very particular, and he wanted, like, mm-hmm. everything to be on the sets to be, to be even though you could ba- could barely make out what it says and mm-hmm. and the background yeah. like it's but he just wanted to make sure that everything was would be like as it actually would be like you know so just, cool just like just like every single down to every single detail what it mm-hmm. would be like on a spaceship if it was actually a functional spaceship and i just i love that sort of like weird um attention to detail like kubrick had and but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, that's that's fascinating that he got the same guy because like you could tell like there was like a choice to put like a lot of very subtle notes and stuff into like into a lot of like the backgrounds, mm-hmm. especially like in like you know with like like the ships, the navigator ships, they sort mm-hmm. of have like that sort of like um, like a sconce type thing, you know, and yeah. the and the, the doors like the inside basically looks like a palace, and mm-hmm. then like. And even the in the opening on the outside of the ship to let the smaller ships go into like the navigator ship is like very just like almost like you know like like a weird Victorian sort of like yeah. like uh, decoration you would have on a door. So so yeah, I feel like um, the production design in this is kind of a lot like Star Wars and where it has like kind of the rundown Empire look. It just doesn't look mm. nearly as cluttered as Star Wars. It looks a no. lot cleaner. Yeah. So I guess like kind of more what they did with Star Wars and like the prequels. Mm. 
Um, but it's it's so dusty. It's very dusty. Everything is so dusty and brown mm-hmm. and like I don't know, some of the, the things they decided to do, some of the set pieces, some of the, the creatures, like that one thing that's in the tank in the beginning. Yeah, the navigator. Yeah, yeah the navigator. That thing mm-hmm. is so disgusting mm-hmm. and almost Cronenberg-esque in its yeah. execution. Yeah, like I'm curious to see, like they're going to introduce the navigators in the 21, 2021 mm-hmm. the sequel to that. Would you, would you fuck the navigator? It's got, it's got to have an ishy squishy. Ishy squishy. It's, it's got to live in a atmosphere of pure spice to live. Right. And well, I that gets you high as fuck. That would get me high as fuck. So yeah, I probably wouldn't. I don't know, but it, it it does have like really bulbous cheeks that look like butt cheeks. Uh-huh. Like its face cheeks look like. I mean, that could be its butt. Who knows? I don't know. That sounds like, pretty hot that, to me. Because that because that thing was originally like a human that's been like. That's why they call them ass cheeks. Is yeah, yeah. You don't have to differentiate between the, the face cheeks and the ass cheeks. You just stick your dick in. Stick your dick in whatever hole right there. <laughs> yeah, the navigator is just like a human, like just like formed, malformed spice. What so. if it was the vagigator? The vagigator? Yeah. And it had a big old sloppy toppy. Sloppy? Sloppy. Sloppy moppy. There sloppy you go. Moppy. That's what I'm talking about. That's a sloppy moppy. <laughs> hey. Hey girl, you got that sloppy moppy. Let me give it to ya. Hey girl, you got that sloppy moppy. I do like. Uh, I mean, we don't see any gators, but we do see lots of dogs in this movie. Yeah, we do. Like, um, specifically, like you could each ha- like the house. Like, we don't get to see the house Harkonnen dog. I don't think. I don't think like, so. Like, we see the Carinos. The Carinos, they love um, bulldogs. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, we see, like, a whole mess of bulldogs. Right. And the Atreides love pugs, apparently. Right. And especially they had a little tiny girl pug that's, mm-hmm. like, uh, that's seen a lot. And We love our pugs, don't we, yeah. folks? And, you know, and I do wonder, like, there is a sort of, like, history of pugs and how they attach to royalty. Mm-hmm. Like it said, like they're like um, they're famous for being very protective of royalty, especially because like what like there's this one um, um, a political assassination that almost happened like mm-hmm. to like uh, some emperor type dude, and the a pug some guy who deserved it some guy who deserved it, but a pug woke mm-hmm. him up with its barking, and so he <laughs> so, so and and he, he was saved he was he was saved from the uh, from the assassination attempt. And so that's why, like, and so then pugs have kind of been seen, like, as a protector of royalty. And maybe also that's why they were with the Atreides. That's an early warning sign that they were going to be in danger. Right. From the Harkonnens. Mm-hmm. Like, they were going, they were targeted for assassination. And they. Or had, do you think they're targeted for assassination because they're seen as weak for having pugs? Maybe. and Because, mm-hmm. yeah, the pug doesn't save uh, Duke Leto's life. Right. So, like, because that's what they're fabled to do. They're fabled to mm-hmm. to protect the their their, their the emperor. Or the, so, so did the pug fail, or was too much responsibility placed upon the pug? You know, the there question. could have been too much responsibility placed on that pug. Like, I think I think we're asking a lot of dog, especially a seemed, really little nervous dog. And plus, he seemed to be. Uh, I think it was a she. You know, she looked a little, little kind of girl pug. Yeah. Uh, she seemed to be hanging out with Gurney at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Because like uh, Gurney went into battle strapped with the pug strapped to her to his chest. That's um, not kind of selfish to bring your dog into battle like that. He was he was protecting it. Like I kind of like when we see Gurney like two years down the line, like mm-hmm. 
that pug is gone. Yeah. So we can only assume he ate it. Right. <laughs> you know, when you're in the desert. Yeah. I mean, what you when you're in the desert, what you what you gotta eat, my dog. See, yeah, see that. Down on the bayou, you got all types of gator, you got snake, you got bugs, you got all types of proteins you can eat. You got all sorts of proteins. But when you're in the desert, oh, you got a dog. Oh, you got a dog. Oh, you got a dog. But you got a spice mix, you got a spice rub. (laughs) Yeah, and the spice, you know, it gets you fucked up and it smells like cinnamon. Sand, most people don't know this, sand is a spice rub. (laughs) There's all types of stuff in there, like... I don't know, a little piece of the glass and it should be salt. Thyme. It's like salt, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's cinnamon in there. There's spice. Yeah. Cinnamon and spice. And everything nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah. Yeah. We can only assume Gurney did like rub that dog with spice and eat it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of sad. It's kind of a sad fate for that little, little tiny pug <laughs> that Gurney ate it in the desert. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I was just. I just thought that was interesting. It was like it was like something that's not really in the books or the twenty twenty one movies, just like the 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 royal dogs. Mm. Which I just, I just I just like it's a nice touch. And I, I I did I was like trying to think of like symbolism. That's yeah. why I was like thinking like, oh, that story of like, you know, why you know, because pugs are like always attached to royalty and stuff, so I wonder yeah. if that's and and specifically that story of like warning warning the royalty of danger dear dennis villain avenue <laughs> show gurney eating the dog please take Love. me down to villa avenue i'm gonna take you higher villa yes <laughs> villain avenue is what i'm calling him from now on is that okay with you that's fine i'm never gonna remember his real fucking fake well, we, gotta, ass we gotta ask david well david lynch famously will not talk about this film uh, kind of, kind he of, kind of. Kind of. Oh, we, that we very, I think, that. what was that? Was it 2022 when he finally did? Like, yeah, yeah, he did. Um, uh, I'm going to keep talking about the cost, uh, the oh, production yeah. here, though, because yeah, uh, I want to talk about the costuming in here. The costumes are sick. The costumes are amazing. Yeah. They're like one of the best parts of the film. Uh, they're mm-hmm. consistently cool. Um, it's like a, like a mix of something very like British military, and mm-hmm. then there's also like hr geiger-esque kind of very like electronic very future but very organic kind of looking things yeah they're able to um really differentiate like who is who with like because like yeah the harkonnens have a very very particular look to them they're Mm -hmm. very like yeah just very like bdsm almost like very um you know very daddy very daddy very daddy they they like their they like their sleek leathers and then you Mm -hmm. have like the atreides that are just you know yeah as you said british military Mm -hmm. you have the bene Gesserit, which i i think are some of the most interesting oh yeah they're like these these bald ladies the the Mm -hmm. witches witches, um they're like uh yeah they're like they've got these weird like I don't know, like 18th century looking like headscarf things that mm-hmm. are almost, I don't know, reminded me of like Ferengi, the mm-hmm. way the way they were all set up. Yeah. Um, and then they got like these bald ass heads. Got the bald ass heads. Which makes me wonder, do they all have skullets? Is that what's going on? Or are they are completely so. bald? I think they're completely bald in this, yeah. Yeah, you think, you think, uh, you think that pussy bald? Because <laughs> I'm looking for some of that bald, rich pussy. <laughs> You know what? Probably, I, I do like uh, sticking um, my penne bezerites. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do like uh, Helena Moheim's, like the you know the, the Reverend Mother. 
Mm-hmm. Like she has almost like sort of like metallic teeth almost. And yeah, yeah. and I think she does a great job in this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she she looks very deranged mm-hmm. and she has amazing reactions to everything. You know, just like just she starts off very, very haughty and, and, and mean and curt yes. and then by the end she's like freaking out at the even the sight of like Paul and Aaliyah, which is like I think really funny. We love that. Yeah. Uh, and the child. Yes. The, that child is so fucking fucked oh, yeah. up, man. So uh, the costuming in this movie was done by a guy named Bob Ringwood, who you might know is the guy who did costumes for Demolition Man. Oh, sick. Excalibur and Star Trek motherfucking nemesis, baby. Hells yeah. He made Shinzon's sick ass fucking jacket for that film. I can kind of see the influences on mm-hmm. Shinzon's jacket. No, I can totally the, see. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Basically how all of the fucking like Romulans looked in that film. Yeah. is like kind of Harkonnen. Yeah, yeah for sure. Style, definitely. A hundred percent. He's also responsible for 1989's Batman, Batman Forever. Uh, oh, so he had the nipples. Batman Returns. Yeah. So he, 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 he did the bat nipples. Uh-huh. He also did Alien Cubed and Alien Resurrection. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah so he's, I, he's I like been both, around the fucking block. I like both of those. I don't love Resurrection. I like mm. Cubed. I like Cubed. Cubed, I, I cubed like, Assembly Cut is good as hell. I liked Resurrection. I think, like, that movie I like a lot because, like, it definitely, like, throws you for a loop about who's going to survive and who doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you initially think it's going to be, like, the conventionally attractive guy and his girlfriend that are going to be, like, the main characters of that of that crew. And oh, then, no. and then it's like you got Ron motherfucking Perlman instead. Hell yeah, <laughs> we love. Like, we got we got the guy who played Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. the guy whose face looks like a dog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy in the wheelchair who's like uh, Dominique. I think his name's Dominique Pignon. I can't remember his name, but mm. he's in a lot of um, um, uh, Jean Pierre Junot's um, oh, nice. movies. Who did who did Alien Resurrection? He, mm-hmm. He's basically like a staple in every single one of his films. And oh, nice. I li- and I think that's his only english speaking role really that's yeah. surprising yeah um what do you think about the acting in this film uh, i think it's definitely over the top like i <laughs> it's a little <laughs> melodramatic at times you're not yeah wrong. the baron is he's really it. like you could tell he's fucking a- i so actually i put that as my favorite performance in the yes. whole film is kenneth mcmillan as baron harkonnen he is he he's is disgusting he, and he's reveling in the disgust. he is he's he's just like I mean, he's oh, he's making fucking mouth noises. He's like talking all wet and shit. He's like getting, he's just he gets oh. up very up close and personal with every single person. Uh huh. Like he like you could tell you he, can, you he, can like he, smell his performance. Yeah, <laughs> he goes up and he is just very handsy with every single person. Mm-hmm. Like anytime someone comes up to him, he has to touch them. He has to he be like, in there, but in there you can tell it's like in, a, in an objectifying way, yes. not in like a comforting way or anything. No, like no, that. yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely he, a, he's like checking just, out the goods that are his because he's a leader, you know. And he's and he's reveling in his like and his and his ability to disgust and shock people. Yes, and so, which uh, you know here on Soy Trek we get that. <laughs> That. That's our brand. <laughs> That's our brand. But yeah, like, um, yeah, he's he's really loving like his whole his whole deal. Oh, he's loving his whole deal. All his right, whole deal. H O L E. The band <laughs> that was written by <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely. I think he stands out. Also, Brad Dorif as mm-hmm. uh, Peter DeVries, like yeah. the, the deranged Mintat. Yeah, like um, 
he is he's great i mean brad dorf's always fantastic in everything he does mm-hmm. and um um but yeah it's there's there's a couple kind of boring performances we didn't yeah. have much of duncan idaho in this film unfortunately no and i don't think and that duncan idaho had no juice no definitely he not uh, richard juice. jordan now he's he's like now he's definitely i was it jason moma they used in the mm-hmm. newest one yeah he's a good duncan idaho because duncan yeah. idaho is like this warrior type guy yeah it was like you know fucking casting tom cruise as jack reacher when yeah. jack reacher is supposed to be this huge jack huge <laughs> huge jacked dude they use they use that castle in the mm-hmm. um in the in the reacher series which makes a lot more sense because that dude's huge mm-hmm. but yeah like jason momoa makes a lot of sense because like yeah in the books like duncan idaho is always described as having like black goat hair so he's like you know he has black curly hair and stuff mm-hmm. and, and and it makes us make sense because like depending on where they want to take this on how far they want to take i mean at the rate that they're making the movies i'm not sure if they'll ever do it but if they were to expand beyond the first book like duncan idaho basically becomes like the central character of the entire series mm-hmm. um so yeah casting jason momoa you know already who has like a, he's, he's got juice baby he's got juice and he's, he's got he's got, got juice the, that's he, a it's a classic chad right there oh yeah he seems like a good guy type he, guy he, he could carry was in stargate atlantis or something what oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 he could he could carry he could carry um you know more dune movies if if chosen to yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, that would be. That, I think that was a good choice to put him in there because, yeah, he's because mm-hmm. because he's, he's he's very he's he's a very charming guy and can really have that sort of like dude. Because I think like in the books they mentioned like Duncan Idaho fell after killing like a hundred Sardukar. You know, he's like he's like he's you know he, he personally killed like that many before finally dying or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, he's he's someone new that's believable in that role. Hell yeah. And uh, it should be noted, this this is Kyle McLaughlin's debut film role. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. First, first film he's ever in, which is yeah. surprising. Because he it's, takes the lead, and he takes it pretty confidently, I think. He does, yeah. And this, yeah, this, this film actually yeah, starts the working relationship between him and David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And they actually, because of this film, that's how he got the money to make Blue Velvet. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so, okay. and so, yeah, like, and which is, which is kind of funny because, like, um, Dion Dale Lawrence just like gave him like the money to do Blue Velvet, which was at the time considered too fucked up of a script to make. <laughs> it's just like it's like, well, you know, we kind of fucked up with this Dune adaption. Um, and uh, what if what if we make you make this like other fucking freaky fucking movie? That's <laughs> but yeah, like that's and that's how he was able to. I, I'm not sure if he. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it was just it was like the working relationship between him, Dino Dale Laurentiis, and Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and apparently uh, it should be noted that uh, Dino De Laurentiis and Raffaella De Laurentiis are largely credited, especially told by David Lynch. Although, you know, there's a certain certain things he can't say, uh, professionally at least, like, mm-hmm. are credited with basically, like, ruining this film. Mm-hmm. Originally, uh, he had planned to have it as a four-hour-long film, and according to Patrick Stewart, uh, each character in the film had at least two scenes cut. Wow, which is a lot of scenes in yeah. a film. I even noticed in this um, in this version that we watched, there's definitely mm-hmm. scenes that I remember uh, being cut. Like I think at the end, like Thufer, um gets his pulls his own heart plug. You know, he commits suicide. Cool, and uh, that's not in this. Also, mm-hmm. like um, also, what was missing is like um, 
I'm pretty sure that was in the in the in the original film, like um, uh, Paul making the announcement that he was going to marry Princess Aurelian. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's done in another version that wasn't in this version. I don't think hmm. I don't remember that happening at the end. Yeah, like, I haven't watched the extended version. Or yeah, because so. like, there's a yeah, he, like because that's part of like you know um, what Paul has to do to legally become emperor is like he has to marry Princess Aurelian. And 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 then um, he's like, but it's only going to be a name for China. You are my you are my <laughs> you are my love. Oh yeah. And so, uh, which uh, we should mention, Shawnee's performance by Sean Young. Yes. Uh, absolutely great. Yeah. Sean Young is very hot. Yeah, she's she's great. She's mm. like I liked her a lot in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, and you know, and then you know, she goes and does you know Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I totally <laughs> forgot she's in that. That's yeah. so weird. Yeah, she's the one with the bad case of hemorrhoids. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but like, um, uh, yeah, Sean Young, Sean Young's great. Like, um, I have heard like, like, uh, um, me and uh, Lucy basically watched this together. We like, you know, we were, you know, right, we right. started watching at the same time. Sure. And she was looking up. Apparently, there is like another like ma- straight to video movie, um, starring Sean Young about. I think it's called it's about Dune. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's available on Prime. Mm-hmm. I need to look at what it's called again, but it's, it'd be funny to see what Sean, who Sean Young's playing in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it said that. Uh, David Lynch has said he considers this movie the only real failure in his career. To this day, he refuses to talk about it uh, and the production in great detail and has refused numerous offers to work on a special edition DVD or Blu-ray. Lynch has always claimed that revisiting the movie would be too painful an experience to endure. Many fans hoped that he would eventually come out, uh, come around, and in an article published in 2022, he did say... A director's cut could happen mm. so there is still hope for this yeah that's, um, that'd be interesting because i do feel like the first part of this dune was kind of like the trajectory that he wanted to go on mm-hmm. but then like everything after um paul and jessica crashing in the desert and then being found by the fremen everything moves incredibly fast it does and that's the thing <laughs> is like uh you know, it took three hours for, for Dune 2021 to do what they did in like an hour and a half, hour 45 yeah. in in 1984's Dune. And so I think the setup for the film is great. Yeah. Uh, it does rush the ending, though. Yes. And they're going to give another three hours to what they gave like half an hour in yeah. this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and yeah. I, I, I thought it was smart to like not introduce some characters like Fade and stuff. And, right. Like, and, but, and, um, yeah, like I, because like I do feel like I, maybe at some point mm-hmm. in the production, maybe like I guess like they, like they started to realize how fat, how like how long this shoot was going to be. I think maybe he was pressured to really wrap it up mm-hmm. because like once Paul and Jessica meet the Fremen, like they're just like, all right, you're part of us now. Yeah, <laughs> like there's whereas, no tests, there are no trials. Yeah, whereas and- whereas like in like the 2021 one, we had like. Um, you know the fight with Jami, J- Jamis, mm-hmm. like played by um, um, uh, Mbinga, yeah, and and uh, from uh, from Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. Brave New Worlds, mm-hmm. and that's like that's like the that's like the main you know uh, the end of the film, mm-hmm. 
and I thought that was a good place to end it. And because yeah, the in the 1984 one, like you start, you everything starts going like we flash two years in the future. Like there's like in the book, there's like a um, um, Chani and um, Paul have a child mm-hmm. that like get is killed and. Um, you know, that's not, that's not, doesn't happen. Right. Like we, like, we're just like, Oh, now there's a baby that has all the thoughts of <laughs> that, <laughs> all, that has the, uh, as the brain of an adult. And we're just going to just like really rocket this through. You're going to drink the water of life. You're going to do all this <laughs> stuff. And, and so, yeah. And I, I do feel like I can, that's probably like a, for the viewer who's pro- very, unfam- who's unfamiliar with Dune. Mm. I can see that being very discombobulated. <laughs> it's just like you're just like quickly taken on this ride and you don't have enough time to let anything really sink in. You really don't. They don't. Yeah, yeah they I don't know. There's there is too much brevity in the setup. If you've like seen, you know, Dune 2021 or read the book, it's a pretty good background. Mm-hmm. And I think it sets you up to watch Dune 1984. Yeah. yeah. Going in dry, it might be a little difficult, but I yeah. still think that if you pay attention and like aren't high or like distracted, like you can pick up enough to really understand what is actually going on in this film. I don't think it's the fact that the information isn't there. No, I think it's maybe the pacing of the information. Yeah. The the pacing of the information just, I don't know. I just feel doesn't make it enjoyable. Like you you can understand what's happening. It's Mm -hmm. just like, it's just like, it's just like, you know, it just leaves more for wanting. Mm -hmm of like what you want of wanting more and then just being like okay well now we're at the final battle and and so um you know we do have it you know the training montage with like the weirding modules and stuff right right and you know we get that and um but like paul's ascendancy to like to godhood basically mm-hmm. is, they they is, do is very, that in about stream- 20 minutes yeah it's very it's, it's like very a desert trip that he takes them on and like yeah, yeah. it's it's not yeah, i don't know yeah and and i do feel like you know the 2021 one i think does a really good job of of establishing this prophecy that's very very um um important to the fremen mm-hmm. and like so there's a lot more scenes that really stress like this you know paul being a messiah right to, right. to them a and, lot more like theological undertones yeah which is strange because you know usually lynch has a lot of those where i think uh here he has more like surrealistic undertones yeah. like seeing like prophecy through dream rather than like prophecy yeah. being like you know something that's foretold by someone else like yeah. paul seeing himself doing a lot of things and understanding the future mm. through his dreams i i think the 21 2021 one does that very well too mm. like you know like um you know it's like you know like the stuff isn't literal literal what happens like mm. jamis is like you know i am going to be your friend in the desert and and he's not literally his friend like he's it means like he is going to show him the way of the desert right through, right. The, through the brutality and have to make Paul cross a bridge into mm-hmm. like the person he has to become to read to lead the Fremen. Sure. And um, and so yeah, and I do feel like that's kind of established more because you know we 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 basically just meet the Fremen at the end of the 2021 film, mm-hmm. and already he's he's faced with trials to really prove himself and establish himself that are kind of just like glossed over in the 1984 one. Right. Like, like, definitely. Like 
you know, we we see we see like we see Paul, you know, giving orders, you know, leading troops and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just like it all it moves very fast and like um yeah, that's 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 one of my only complaints is like I mean I think to a viewer cuz I mean when I watched it as a child without ha- without having read the books I was like, I don't know what's going on. There's a big ass worm. Mm. I was just really into that. Yeah, <laughs> like, the big ass worm. Like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, what, I, I want to know what that big ass worm. Did. Yeah, I was. I, 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 I did think visually that was like one of the most insane things I'd ever seen. It was really cool. Yeah, like I like the I like the sandworms a lot, and like I just I that's what I always established like connected with Dune because my dad had like a lot of the books. Mm-hmm when I was a kid so like I would just see them and and I would just be like that's the sandworm book (laughs) (laughs) but like um yeah like watching it you know reading the you know reading the books and like having like that backstory was able to you know you're 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 able to as the as someone you know read the books you're able to fill in a lot of a lot of things that they gloss over in the 1984 film but anyone who hasn't read that it would probably be like you know left wanting yeah and so I would actually recommend reading the book and then watching the 1984 film or just watching Dune 2021 and then Dune 1984. Yeah. Uh, although, like, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to be probably maybe dissatisfied with the last, like, half hour. Yeah. 45 minutes because it is, like, it does rush the second half. And But, you know, I got to love Lynch because even though he rushes over a lot of stuff in the plot, mm-hmm. he finds time to add, you know, little little. Sp- little fun things like, little fun things yeah. like the cat you have to milk right yeah <laughs> milk cat yeah milk cat milk and cat. so i'm like cool you know that's fucking weird it's mm-hmm. not in the book <laughs> you know right. but just we're just gonna we're gonna include a uh, um, a cat you have to milk for and a lot now. of like gooey things he, a lot of gooey things like he, he yeah definitely explores like the gooeyness of the dune universe i think more yeah. than hubert does yeah. hubert does like yeah. the wetness of everything yeah there's a lot of wetness and, and just, even in the Desert, there's a lot of wetness. You know what I'm oh, saying, baby? I know what you said. A lot of wetness in the desert, baby. And you're going back to like, um, you know, Bar- the performance of the Baron. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, he's so wet. And his and in- oh. his initial introduction, you know, he's being drained. Mm-hmm. And also, oh. he is he is Grain like in the moon vein. He is throwing spit everywhere. Like oh. every single thing he says. Not just spit, baby. <laughs> yeah. But everything everything he says out of his mouth, there is a big globule of spit that just shoots out, he's, and he is. He's being very wet with it. He's yeah. He's like on our what, what was it the the, the what, what were the two characters we were doing where they they talked real wet. Oh yeah. This is uh, this is cars and cigars with with Danny Gentleman and the butthole. butthole. Hello, Danny. I'm the butthole. Uh, uh, oh, I'm Kiki McMillan. Okay. Well, no, we just we just watched Dune, and we really appreciate you know having wet wet representation in a film. <laughs> wet <laughs> representation. We need to see um someone that's just like constantly moist outside. <laughs> He is, he, is, he is coming out of every single pore, every orifice, every single hole in his body is leaking something. Every single hole in my body, you have no idea. You have absolutely no idea. 
Also, another leaking person though was um one one of the the, the guy in the guild navigate um yeah, the yeah, navigator yeah. guilds mm-hmm. like he just had like an open sore on his head that was mm-hmm. leaking some orange translucent fluid. I bet he was gay too. <laughs> Probably. Probably. You know what if <laughs> oh, they, was- they say if you got sores, you're uh, you got AIDS. Whoa. That's well, that's what they, that's what they accused Baron of. <laughs> that's what that's what you said, buddy. <laughs> That's why they they said like oh the baronets, but really like the I don't think is one thing that's really introduced is like you know the a Bene Gesserit gave mm-hmm. um, Baron that disease because he yeah. like raped her and then like right and right she right. gave him a disease and also I think it's like kind of glossed over is yeah like also like Lady Jessica is like the Baron's daughter I think or granddaughter is that right yeah oh okay yeah like um, I don't think he's aware of it. Um, because, yeah, it, he had it with the Bene Gesserit and mm-hmm. she was raised. But, yeah. So, yeah, they're all just inbred. Wild. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, Step Harkonnen? Step Harkonnen. But, yeah, it's it's a very interesting story. I think, like, um, yeah. I think, like, you know, I think they were saying, like, George R. R. Martin was really inspired by this. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that because the there's a lot the of, books. like political in playing between houses and mm-hmm. like a lot of classes yes. and people within those classes and having like different material concerns mm-hmm. based on their class. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, I will, like, I will say like, you know, I love the Dune universe. I wouldn't ever want to live in one. No, <laughs> live in it. no, it's, it would suck to be anyone but the emperor. Basically. Yeah. Anyone who's not royalty of any kind mm-hmm. seems to just live their lives in service of like some, deeply inbred royal family <laughs> so it's just yeah. like it would it'd be something and, and supposedly have to worship as a as a god it's kind of warhammer 40k ish it is yeah. yeah yeah like just just like you know have like this and i do think I, I that's one thing i like about like the 2021 one is like it definitely like makes sardaukar look more um uh warhammerish i think yeah because yeah. like they're it, you know that it, it shows us their planet and they're just like these like warhammer guys like just like the space marines and it's yeah, really like cool. henry cavill yeah like they look warhammer they have, guys they're, yeah. yeah they're just yeah they're very hairy very large and, <laughs> and they're wearing sweatpants wearing the pressure suits yeah. or the, the 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 jo joggers the jo joggers yeah uh, uh. yeah so all in all yeah what what do you think about this film? What's your final diagnosis? What's uh, what's wrong with it? Um, what are its weaknesses? What are its strengths? Do you ultimately like the film? I do. I always have a. I always have like a warm place in it in my heart. Like, um, I mean, with the twenty twenty one one, I really like that a lot more as an adaptation of like mm-hmm. um, the Dune books. Sure. Uh, of the story of Dune, like I think it's like. I think it solves a lot of the problems this one had because mm-hmm. I think like you know David Lynch is a great director. <clears throat> I do feel like he was working on some constraint under some constraints yeah. that that really compromised his vision for this film. Absolutely. And but I do think he was able to pull off some really cool visuals, mm-hmm. like some really interesting performances. Some, it, 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 you know, he was trying to do like a very impossible thing, where it's just like take a very alien world mm-hmm. and just and just like present it to us, you know, and 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 do like a tight two hour film with it. <laughs> and so I, I think he did that almost effectively in that he did it through like a series of dreams. Yeah. And so we're introduced not to so much like an alien world and an alien planet, 
but so much is like a dream world mm. and something that's thought up and something that's almost more fantasy than it is science fiction. Yeah, because I, I do feel sense because of their rejection of like thinking machines. So it's like pretty different than, you know, a conventional sci-fi film, mm-hmm. even though we don't have too much of like, you know, it does seem they do seem very technologically advanced and they mm-hmm. are and like the yeah. books. It but, doesn't it doesn't focus on the technology too much, though. It focuses more on like the magic yeah. and the psychology. Yeah. And, and 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 also it doesn't really like show like, yeah, the nece- necessity of Mintats, you know, mm-hmm. since because we and they kind of do because of like um you know why we need the guild navigators mm-hmm. to to really like move because we don't have like computers yeah. to really like do sort of like work type travel mm-hmm. you know you have to do like you have a, have a guild navigator mm-hmm. you have to have mentats that can do um calculations uh, in their head excuse me hashtag not all mentats <laughs> not all mentats uh. <laughs> and just like it just like how it's like be, how humanity has evolved because um because uh, uh, you know you have to physically become better you know just like you know it's like we have like you know the different fighting men like duncan idaho on the sardu car mm-hmm. you know the, everyone is at, is working at a heightened level because of like this like because they reject like higher technology right and i think that's a really cool theme of dune is just like this like the, how they push themselves into becoming physically and mentally superior it's why you never fight in Amish. Never fight in Amish. No, it doesn't matter if if they're on Rumspringa, even if they're fucking <laughs> drunk, especially if they're fucking drunk. This is the first time they've been drunk. They don't even know their own power. They're, yeah. They've been fucking raising houses since <laughs> they were like 12 years old. They have the fucking thighs to fucking crush your skull into a yeah. million shattered little pieces. Don't want to bring out an iPhone in front of one. No. No. Just show them your dick. <laughs> see what they say. And be on your way. Yep. Yep, you can turn that rum springer into a bum springer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> bum springer. But yeah, one thing I do have though, like problem with, is like the end of this film it shows it rain on Arrakis. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense because there's like no water in the atmosphere. Either. There's no water in the atmosphere, and most important of all is like water is deadly to the sandworms. Yeah. Who make the spice? Yeah. So like. If it were to rain on Dune, I mean, like eventually, like in the books, like, welcome to the mud planet. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the mud. It's, it's very wet here. Oh, we just killed all the sandworms. Oops. Like, um, <laughs> I don't know how we will fly now. <laughs> don't know how we fly. Yeah, because like that really like goes against like what makes Arrakis important. Is because which we he, never even mentioned. I don't think yeah. like the, the crux of this entire plot. So basically. Yeah gonna set it up for you real Mm -hmm. quick house atreides is sent to go take over from house uh harkonnen Mm -hmm. uh they're sent to go take uh control of arrakis which is a desert planet where they make this drug that lets you see into the future and seeing into the future is required for space travel and really they're being set up Mm -hmm. like because like the emperor is colluding with house harkonnen in order Mm -hmm. to uh, distract House Atreides mm. while doing spice production and destroy their house. Yep, because they're a threat to. Um, they could potentially be like the new emperor. Or yeah, something. because yeah, because of some some the, mystical bullshit. Yeah, so like yeah, so they're kind of set up to to fail, you know, 
Paul instead, you know, he goes and he's the Messiah to a desert people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. And you like, know, and, um, you know who else was a Messiah to a desert people? Hmm. Jesus Christ. Osama bin Laden. <laughs> oh, okay, now it's making sense. He is the Quasats Hatterack. <clears throat> um, we have a uh, a couple guests here a couple men from the um um, the ibf who are they oh wait i'm dyslexic (laughs) oh the fbi (laughs) it's the idf the idf oh god no but but yeah like um but i do like yeah like you know paul is like like the baron is dispatched like Aaliyah the knife she cuts him with a poison she cuts him with the cuts him with a knife and stabs mm-hmm. him with a gamjabar and he mm. floats into a worm's mouth and everyone like every, it's so funny everyone watches it they're just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he goes i'm dead and floats it right into the worm's mouth but like um and he's able to defeat sting in hand-to-hand combat and yeah that's pretty cool that is really um, cool yeah that's the the twink on twink fight the twink on twink. remind me a little bit of um you know in uh a uh, muck uh, a muck time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Twink, 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 Yeah. Twink on twink, you know. And yeah. he stabs him in the fucking throat. It's yeah. fucking sick. Yeah. And makes his eyes turn white. Yeah. Yeah. yeah makes Hits him with the voice and mm. is able to break his body. But yeah, he, he basically just like. And then he breaks the floor too. Makes with the, the floor voice. With it's the pretty voice. fucking yeah. sick. Yeah. But yeah, like, but yeah, I think, I think one thing that I. That is a scene that was left out of the version we watched was yeah like yeah like paul really established he is you know well it shows paul established himself as emperor mm-hmm. and as a way of like giving himself like the legal way of 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 ascending to the throne is he marries princess Aurelian, right who is like the daughter of um the emperor uh-huh. who the emperor is going to be played by christopher walken in the new that's movie. interesting yeah that could be good yeah and um uh florence Pooh is playing um <laughs> princess Pooh. Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's playing uh princess aurelian and i think she looks great like i saw the trailer for that's, that i that's think she Pooh. looks good like uh i think i like christopher walken as um <laughs> as, florence, as, florence as, as as the as 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 the emperor but like um but yeah but Paul, like you know, he's then able to do like his his jihad across the across the universe, and and he and this, like I've heard a lot of people call this like almost like the anti hero's journey because Paul does end up killing a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So like I mean, you know, it is it, it's like an emperor's journey. Yeah, an emperor's journey where mm-hmm. he's just become. But it's like, like a benevolent ish emperor. Yeah. Benevolent. No, that doesn't work at all. But he does. He ends up like, yeah, doing a whole jihad across like the different planets, and um, you know who else did a jihad? <laughs> the, the real, cl- the real life. Oh, so- Den. <laughs> yeah, our Quasats Hatterack. Yep. <laughs> and um, so yeah, it's uh, and it would have been interesting to see this go in other films, but that's why I mean it does it does leaving you in, in a in a good place, you know. You have sort of like the um, you know you have um, Paul as as uh, emperor, and I will say like I don't like you know he, he you know he takes Chani as, as his beloved, mm-hmm. but I I want to say like chani doesn't do too much in this i mean they just kind of like kiss no, each other no no yeah she she's not even as active as was zendaya 
Yeah. Is in yeah, Zendaya, 2021. Zendaya does a better job. But they also, you know, they, they've got to be given Zendaya screen time. They probably paid a lot for fucking Zendaya. Yeah. They already paid a fucking probably like 15, 20 million out of pocket for Shamley. Yeah. Timmy Chams. You got to pay him. Timmy Chim Cham. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, like, also, I, one thing I didn't like, though, is also like Lady Jessica basically becomes a non entity after. Which he, is weird because she's like top build in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> And I and I and I do like Rebecca Ferguson's performance mm-hmm. of her in the 2021 one because like, you know, and when we see her like after like they leave the um, um, the palace in a in a hurry, mm-hmm. she basically just freaks out the entire time. And I think like I felt like Rebecca Ferguson did a better job of like someone who ha- would have been a Jesuit training, right, right, to, like to, is is more focused than um, than. Um, and freaking the fuck out yeah, yeah but but then afterwards after she becomes like the you know the reverend mother for the fremen she basically just like becomes basically nobody mm-hmm. in this film you know we do get to see her at the end but yeah i mean it ends a pretty good you know ends well for our, our hero hero yeah. uh yeah. paul um he's a hero in this film he's a hero in this film oh. and um but then one thing I I love though, then we go into like sort of a um like almost like the ending to Predator. <laughs> Where it's just like, you know, you know, when it's doing the text when it's showing showing all of our characters, you know, and the actors who played them. Oh, right, right, right. But like but I, I but it just instead of like the with the with like the how fun the ending to Predator was when it's showing all the actors where they're all it has like this uplifting heroic music and it shows mm-hmm. them all just like, you know, goofing around, just being goofs. Yeah. Like here we just have like the like transparent semi-transparent um versions of our actors just staring at the screen mm-hmm. and i don't know i just thought that was really funny like, while waves like they're ghosts them. like they're ghosts you that's know? pretty hot you don't want to fuck a ghost man <laughs> ain't you never watched casper's spirited beginning <laughs> but it was a it was a very fun way i thought i, I it was visually interesting to le- out do the credits that way mm-hmm. it was it was fun but it was also kind of kind of strange yeah but you know I mean, oh yeah, and then we have like an end with raining, which mm-hmm. goes against like well, like you know, we have Paul as the emperor because mm-hmm. he establishes that Arrakis is now the center of the universe because they control the spice, right? But what? But water is kills sandworms. Yeah. So if you so if it, but everyone's celebrating that it, it's, that he that Paul uses his powers <laughs> to make it rain on Arrakis. Spoiler alert! In uh, later. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if they're canon novels, but still written by his son. Mm-hmm. They get water sandworms, yeah. water worms. So yeah, they get. Um, I think in chapter house Dune, like Arrakis is a like a lush terraformed planet. Hmm. Um, but like, um, but yeah, just funny in that because it's like okay, well, it just rained. It's raining on Arrakis, and um, all the worms are going to die, and you're yeah. not going to have any spice. So, mm-hmm. so Arrakis is no longer the center of the universe. Right. Like you just lost all your bargaining power. It's raining free men. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's a. But no, that's something. But you know, to people, you know, I think that's kind of left out of the fact. You know mm-hmm. that um, that that weren't that water kills worms in the Dune universe, and so yeah, you're just water kills to, worms in our universe too. I don't does. know if you've it, ever it does, noticed. You just bring them to the pavement and you step on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, uh, uh, oh, I eat them. You eat them. Uh, I get a, I get a spatula up there. You, you ain't never seen that movie. You read that book? How do you fry worms? Oh yeah, I was about to mention that. I, 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 I just put you, it on my you, server. I just put you, it on my I, server. That's why, I th- that's why I was thinking about oh, it. Yeah. I was like, I haven't, I haven't thought about that book. 
I remember reading in, in, um, mm-hmm. in elementary school. So in elementary school, they made us read that book, and then we could optionally eat fried worms as a project, and I tried fried worms. How was it? Kind of what you expect, not great. I had a neighbor that would eat raw worms. Uh-huh. He was like this weird kid. Was your, was your neighbor a fish? You got a <laughs> catfish for a neighbor? No, he was just like this weird dude who would just go and he would get worms. He would get a bunch of worms. I'd go play with him, mm-hmm. and he would get a bunch of worms, and then he would cut them in half. And then eat them and i'm like mm-hmm. and and all you could think about was that book because i had just read that book you know how to uh-huh. eat fried worms so. right, right but yeah no but there's no worm eating in this but you know but i do oh, feel like i they, mean not in the classical sense but in the no. uh you know in the sexy sense oh yeah Chani, lots of worm chani was a worm eater oh she was eating lots of worms <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah I, I do feel like they added the rain mm-hmm. because that's like feels triumphant and satisfact satisfactory to like the viewer because you mm-hmm. want because you think because because the, the viewer who's probably unfamiliar with the dune universe would think like oh, like, it oh it rains good yeah. rain's good like I, oh these, these I, I desert you yeah like the deserts miss the rain yeah like yeah. these these desert these desert people need need the rain so mm-hmm. that's that's sat- supposed to be satisfying for for you know for the viewer but and and the and the world universe like like arrakis is like paul's paul's uh Paul's uh, ascendancy to the throne is now completely mute. mute. Okay. <laughs> I hope someone got fired for that. <laughs> I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> no. uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a self-contained film. It never explains that, and no. so it doesn't matter. No, that, that's what, and, you know, I'm fine with that, because, like, as I was saying, like, I think, like, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune, you know, while it, it kind of follows a loose, a, it's a loose adapt, adaption of, mm. like, of, of the book, and I and I and I, I kind of like what he brought to the table mm-hmm. from watching the the documentary Alejandro Jodorowsky's doing. Like mm. from what I heard, like I would like to see that film. And yeah. well, like, I mean, supposedly it was between ten and fourteen hours long. <laughs> yeah, which you know, tr- back then not a possibility. There was no. no kind of funding for that. No one was willing to put up that kind of time or money. Now. Yeah. The fucking Netflix would do that in a fucking second. He also wanted a scene where there was like a thousand people all shitting at the same time in a pit. Oh, so <laughs> basically like Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. So, so he he was it was definitely like like a very ambitious project, mm-hmm. and it's and it's interesting to see how that project, while it never got off the ground, it brought a lot of like people together, like Dan O'Bannon and H.R. Geiger, mm-hmm. who like they met on that. Like and then that was later to then influence like the 1984 Dune and that brought together Dino De Laurentiis, David Lynch, and mm-hmm. Kyle MacLachlan, yeah. and so it's just like it's just interesting to see like this trajectory that you know while these you know like the the, the Alejandro Jodorowsky Dune wasn't made, mm-hmm. you know 1984 Dune was considered a failure. Yeah. Like it did bring these people to these creative types together who then went on to make. Mu- other more influential uh, things right and uh you know this was actually cited as a reason that uh sir patrick stewart appeared on the radar for Mm. the job for um john luc picard nice because you know this predates it by like you know three years or something Mm -hmm. it was one of his only major movie roles yeah i I was reading on the interview database how like how yeah he was just known as a a shakespearean stage pretty much yeah yeah and the only people that really recognized him was like kyle mclaughlin and the guy who played beast robin or something and and so david lynch didn't even recognize him Uh, according to imdb apparently david lynch thought he uh 
cast another guy named Patrick Stewart that wasn't him, and so he accidentally got Patrick Stewart, but liked him so much in the role he kept him. You know what? All right, but I'm I'm all for it. Um, I think I think Patrick Stewart does a fine job as Gurney Halleck. Mm-hmm. Like, I do like uh, what's his name? Uh, Josh Brolin's. Um, yeah, he's he's very good. Josh Brolin's very good as Gurney. Yeah. Like, because yeah, Gurney because Gurney is described as like a a typical fighting man. You yeah, know? gruff he's guy. Gruff guy. Which he was, I can I can kind of get at least in this universe patrick stewart being that guy yeah i mean he does bring a lot of like the authoritarian picard voice yeah he has that intensity and, and yeah. he you know he, ha- he he basically talks to kyle mclaughlin as if he's wesley yes and so like and so like you know especially in that begin in that introductory scene you know where we get, where um where uh we meet kyle mclaughlin and, and they like, have a his, knife fight yeah, yeah they have a knife fight and like you know and and uh, Patrick Stewart as Gurney is very just has that speak as speaks to him as if he were like a you know a, a, a one, young Padawan a young Padawan mm-hmm. a young a, a young Wesley Crusher who just fucked up yeah <laughs> so or uh, an an Anakin who just fucked an up. Anakin who just fucked up and mm-hmm. and so like yeah I like what Patrick Stewart brought to the table on this yeah uh, here's one of my favorite Patrick Stewart anecdotes about this film uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was at the time completely unfamiliar about who Sting was as a musician. When meeting him on set, he asked if he was a solo artist, to which Sting replied he was in a band called The Police. Stewart, still totally unaware, thought Sting played in a police band. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It, it, sometimes like talk like Patrick Stewart comes off as like this very like all-around cultured guy, but you realize it's basically just with Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, culture is so atomized that yeah. like no one's a completely rounded person in no. every subject. And so like, I can't expect this guy who is in like so many Shakespearean productions yeah. is friends with probably a lot of classical musicians mm-hmm. who probably mostly play classical and or jazz. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't imagine him being like really into fucking pop music, fucking right, white reggae from the from <laughs> from Sting. Yeah, from Sting yeah. from the fucking eighties. Like, yeah, I don't know. that is that is a funny reaction to uh, to Sting though. Like, I wonder if they became friends later on. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, apparently Sting doesn't believe in uh, deodorant and he doesn't shower much because he's like really unmedicated bipolar and so he smells bad. That's awesome. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go to strip clubs and blow like $10,000 smelling bad. Mm. Mm. Is that a thing he does? He goes to strip clubs? Yeah. While stinking? While stinking. Damn. It's weird. Can't be doing that. Kind of selfish, right? Yeah. Don't be stinking in the strip club. I will say his acting has improved because like uh, do you remember? I think he was in um, season one or two of Only Murders in the Building. I haven't watched it. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he plays himself, mm-hmm. but um, he, he, his role's pretty funny. Cool. But like, yeah, do you know why he's called Sting? Because uh, he has a uh, rattlesnake's tail. No. Oh, why? No, um, because back in the seventies, he used to wear the sweater that was uh, uh, black and yellow. And oh, they're like, oh, you're like a bee. In the hey, it's Bumblebee. <laughs> hey, look at this sting over here. <laughs> some, for some reason, there's a whole group of like bully New Yorkers that are in Britain. <laughs> they're just bullying him. Yeah, we're just handing out nicknames today, bully style. <laughs> bully style. What you looking at, Mook? I'm going to call you uh, Google Eyes. What's up, Google Eyes? Hey, Bumblebee, Buzz Buzz, you going to go sting me? What are you going to do, sting me? Why, you want to pollinate me? You want to go in the family restaurant? room here lock the door maybe pollinate my asshole a little bit what <laughs> wait what if you boys don't stop i'm gonna call the police 
Yeah. Oh, that's a really call the police. Oh, fuck them. <laughs> I'll suck all their dicks. That's a really good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, what? Suck all their dicks? No, no. The police. And oh, oh my name will be Sting now. I got. Oh, thank you, thank you, random New Yorkers hanging out in in London town. No. <laughs> That's how history is made. Hey, how about this guy? <laughs> hey, what you doing, tall stuff? Hey, beardo weirdo. Uh, what's up with that hat? I'm gonna call you Osama <laughs> Baden. Actually, you know what? I'm reading this really cool book. It's called Dune, <laughs> written in 1965. And uh, and there's a guy, you know, who, ha who, who is kind of the chosen one who performs a jihad and they call him the Quasad's Hatterack. You're the Quasad's Hatterack, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> I think that's a great place for us to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, so. Overall, I'd say you should watch 1984's Dune. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a unique singular vision from a wonderful fucking director. Yeah. It's like the largest scale thing that they've ever done, really. But it's a movie that he considers his only real failure. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what? If you're listening to this, David Lynch, I know you are. I know you fucking listen. I know you listen to us every time. Uh, I can see him doing that because I can. No, I, I, but, but I can see him just having very weird interests, uh -huh. and he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to this Star Trek podcast that no yeah. one listens to. <laughs> uh, yes, Linda. They call it Soy Trek. <laughs> it's a gay Marxist Trek podcast. <laughs> oh, this is really great. This is great. This is very bizarre, very very awful. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna put them in my next movie. It's like I'm having a bad dream. <laughs> it's like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> stroke me, stroke me, <laughs> stroke me. Yeah, yeah. I hope you know. I hope David Lynch is listening. And uh, I want, if he is, I want him to know that I one time bought five pounds of the David Lynch coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. I loved oh, it. Nice. I had a, I couldn't. It was only available in California, I think, mm -hmm. at the time, and I was living in Baltimore. And I looked online, and I was able to order five pounds of it. I could That's only get five awesome. pounds, wow. and I oh. drank all five pounds of Beautiful. David Lynch. David Lynch's roast. Mm. Uh, was it a light roast or a medium roast? It was a medium. It was very good. Like <laughs> um, I remember, like m making a ton of it because I was just like, I'm not gonna get through five fucking pounds of coffee, but I did. Mm -hmm. I gave some okay. of it away, but. Um, but yeah, no, he had a cute little commercial for his coffee. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, very lynching commercial. Sure, sure. Yeah. Probably had like a black and white monkey that he's talking to about coffee. <laughs> yeah. I do like that. Was it like what something did? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, that, that just small <laughs> weird film he made for Netflix that's just him and a monkey, capuchin monkey talking. It's yep. pretty cool. Having a fun time. Very Ross of him. Very Ross. Very Ross less. of him, yeah. No. That's actually one of the monkeys that was inside of the Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for hanging with us, Soyagers. Be well, travel safe. And I'd uh, go ahead and watch Lynch's Dune. It's something yeah. interesting. Yeah, watch it. It's, it's visually interesting. There's a cat that get, get, gets milked. The, the performances cat, are pretty good. Performances are really good. Like, um, you know, there's like, you could tell like you know duke leto is is very swedish or something <laughs> he's just like yeah he's like you know like uh there's some very fun accents that bleed through mm -hmm. like it's it's an interesting movie oh yeah his name is like the most Jurgen. swedish yeah it's a uh, jurgen 
uh, Proch Chow. Yeah. Proch Chow. Yeah. Proch Now. Yeah, he is a very, very interesting looking guy. But mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, watch that. And also, you should watch the 2021 Dune. Mm-hmm. And, and read the book Dune. Most importantly, because yeah. that's a good ass book, man. That's a good ass book. Mm-hmm. Read, read all the books. Read up. You know, uh, I think I can't remember how many there are. There's a million. Because also, then like his son takes over the books, and yeah. then there's the Butler and Jihad book. It's good. Mm-hmm. Get Erasmus in there. Yep. Yeah. Good. And then there's the, the fanfic. Or Paul Atreides, Duncan Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read one called My Own Private Idaho. Uh, was, oh. Own Private Idaho. <laughs> own Private Idaho. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, it has Keanu Reeves and uh, River Phoenix as yeah. uh, Fade and Paul Atreides. They resurrect River Phoenix. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, My Own Private Idaho. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually wrote my own um, doing fan fiction that takes place through the eyes of the pug. Oh, uh, and during its time and the war, where right. it it personally takes down Sardukar by biting them. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, pretty good. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, name's Pugsilla. All right. Well, thanks for checking with Soy Boys, Girls, and Otherworldly Beans. Hang dong and shocker. Drink, drink the meat. The 